know what that sound means. It's another exciting installment of the Van Brawl Seasons Podcast, where we talk local sports, both the Atlanta Pro franchises, like the Braves, Hawks, Falcons, and we also talk the University of Georgia Bulldogs. So strap in, guys. It's another exciting episode about to start right now. What up, podcast land? This is Jam and Joe of the Fan Brawl Seasons Podcast. And on tonight's episode, we're talking a lot of Atlanta Braves baseball and some Atlanta Falcons football. And at long last, my sidekick and co-host is back from the beach. Welcome back, RG3. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, it was a... Uh, had a good time and... Didn't yeah. get sunburned? No, no. Nice. Just a little bit on my legs, but we won't count that, so... Now I'm just ready to get back on this podcast and uh, talk some sports. Exactly, exactly. Well, speaking of that, today, as we all know, and if, or if you didn't know, is the trade deadline for Major League Baseball. Trades had to be wrapped up today by 4 p.m., and the new rule this year, as opposed to years in the past, there, there are no waiver deals or waiver trades in August. July 31st, everyone's roster is set, and the Braves turned a weakness that they had RG3 for most of the season into a strength. And that is upgrading the bullpen. The, the Braves did a really good job of that, and so that's something we'll definitely get into as the show goes on. I'm really, really excited about what they did. And the best part is they didn't give up. The three prospects that I've been talking about to fans um, for a while now, and that's Drew Waters, an outfielder, that's Christian Pache, an outfielder, and that's Ian Anderson, arguably the Braves' best pitcher. And he's also the leader in strikeouts for the Southern League, which is the AA affiliate, or the AA League, and that's where the Mississippi Braves are. So all three of those guys are at AA Mississippi, and you didn't have to give up any of those three. And that, as a Braves fan, makes me really, really happy. So, without any further ado, you've created your usual six-pack of Braves questions for me. So you may fire when ready, dude. Alright, so the Braves just concluded a tough road trip against division rivals Philadelphia and Washington. What did we learn about the Braves on this road trip? Well, the thing that we learned, RG3, is that the Braves have found multiple ways to win on this road trip. And if you think about it, with Friday night, uh, the the offense kind of came to play, and Mike Soroka pitched Friday, and he was kind of, and he kind of wasn't himself, but the Braves offense built nine runs uh, that game, and the Braves kind of really got back on track. And because if you recall the week before, or the week you were out, the Braves played the Kansas City Royals, and the offense was just kind of like sputtering, and just kind of like, oh, what are we doing? But they kind of came back to earth and kind of got back on track offensively. And so that was the big deal with Friday night. Saturday night, the Braves unloaded and like dominated the Phillies where they where they did a lot of damage, specifically Ozzie Albies. And we'll get into more Ozzie talk as the show progresses. Ozzie Albies in the third inning of Saturday's win had, had a grand slam. And it was really, really impressive to watch. The Braves put up 15 runs that game. Also, also Enciarte hit his third home run of the year in Saturday's win. And uh, Acuna Jr. hit his 25th. I'll talk more about Ronald Acuna Jr. later. And also Adam Duvall, who came back uh, from AAA and, uh, to, to rescue the Braves and, uh, and to be a, a replacement for Nick Margagas, came in 
and he had his first home run of the year during Saturday night's win. And the Braves got a really nice bounce back win. So, so they won the first two. You're feeling good. You know, you've already won the series in Philly. And then, su- and then Sunday was kind of, uh, the, the Braves didn't really come to play. And Philly kind of smoked us. Kevin Gosman was really shaky. Um, so that was Sunday. And then in Washington, the, the Braves kind of had a clunker on Monday night offensively. The offense didn't really get going. Dallas Keuchel had a rough outing by his standards on Monday night. And uh, Washington was just a better team. And in the past two nights, the Braves, uh, in the past two games, well, last night, Julio Tehran pitched, his, pitched six and two-thirds and six strikeouts. was really, really good. Really, really impressive from Julio. Um, arguably his best start um, of the year. I was really impressed in a much-needed game. And the Braves needed to win. Tehran came to play. And so did the offense. The offense really stepped up big. That was Tuesday. And then today's game, uh, in game three, Mike Soroka pitched pretty well from what I heard. We, we had a lead. And then the bullpen kind of collapsed. Luke Jackson especially with walks and just giving up runs and stuff like that. All that stuff. And then Josh Donaldson in the 10th inning came up and hit the game-winning home run to center field. And we, we saw the video before we came on uh, the podcast tonight. And it was a no-doubt shot. Josh Donaldson has really, really been big for this Braves offense. And I'm really excited to see what kind of run he can get on for the rest of the season. Definitely. So that's what we learned. And you, you mentioned Adam Duvall earlier. He's really given the Braves outfield a much-needed boost offensively. What has stood out to you about when watching Adam since he's been called up? Well, well, the thing to me that's really stood out about Adam Duvall is it looks to me that he's comfortable with the play. He, he's gotten a lot of things fixed with his swing, it looks like, and that's a credit to the AAA coaches down at Gwinnett. Last year, he never really got comfortable with the Braves. Being in Atlanta, and he and he was just kind of all over the place with his swing and like really inconsistent. And now Duvall has just kind of worked on some things. It was like, I, mean, I guess you could compare it to like what Austin Riley did, where he just came up hot and stuff. And I feel like Duvall has kind of done that too. Hopefully for the Braves' sake, Adam Duvall can keep this going. Because people forget, much as people want to talk about Adam Duvall's offense, he's a really good defensive player. I mean, he won a gold glove a few years back. So he's a solid glove. So hopefully we, until Mark Agus gets back between Riley and Duvall, the the Braves the, the Braves outfield can kind of find stability between Enciarte, Duvall, and uh, Acuna. And then you mix in Riley in there too. Mm-hmm. And speaking of Mark Agus, uh, you know, the Braves have suffered several injuries lately uh, between Dansby Swanson and his heel injury and Nick Mark Agus and his broken wrist. How do the Braves need to step up while Swanson and Mark Kakis are injured? Well, the thing I'll say about Dansby is Dansby's going to be coming back, I think, this weekend. I think Saturday. So that'll be big to have Dansby back. But Camargo's filled in admirably. He's done a good job. Um, I know a lot of people are clamoring for Charlie Culberson to play more. I'm one of those, too. And if you go on Twitter, I'm sure me and everyone else are <laughs> tweeting, like, why isn't Charlie playing? But Charlie Culberson has found his niche coming off the bench and just been clutch. And stuff, hence the nickname Charlie Clutch. Exactly. But uh, but but Camargo's done well. Camargo gives you that ability to switch hit. He's a solid glove defensively, and he's got a really really strong arm. And I honestly like watching Yon Camargo throw because he he just throws nothing but bullets, nothing but BBs uh, from short, second, third. You know, he can play some outfield too. And and so these guys on the bench have really had to come stay ready. 
And that and that's really the mentality you gotta have as a bench guy. So so I'm talking about like Duval, Riley, Camargo. Uh, and if all those guys can get hot at some point during the second half, then the Braves should be just fine. And so that's what it's gonna take in terms of like stepping up. But like I said, I think Dansby should be back Saturday. So that's gonna be a real big boost having Dansby come back. Mm-hmm. So going back to the trade deadline. Okay, so going back to the trade deadline you mentioned earlier, what did you like about what the Braves did? Well, what I loved about what the Braves did, and it's kind of what I teased in the open, is the fact that the Braves had a glaring weakness, and that is the bullpen. I'm talking like Luke Jackson, like well, specifically Luke Jackson. Anthony Swarzak has been kind of up and down. I mean, the Braves have just had too many, too many games where, where they've had leads, but the bullpen has just been too inconsistent and blown leads. So what they've done in, is, is, they've, in, is they've upgraded tremendously. And the guy I'm probably most excited about of any of the three is that of Shane Green. And he was with the Detroit Tigers um, this past year, or, the, or earlier in 2019. He's got 22 saves on the year, and he's arguably one of the best closers in Major League Baseball. The, the other guys that the Braves received uh, in terms of trades is Chris Martin from Texas. RG3, the thing about him that I like is he has only surrendered four walks since April. He's only pitched in 36 games, but he's done a really good job getting strikeouts and getting ground balls and stuff. And RG3, the other thing that's interesting about Chris Martin, he's six foot eight, dude. He's six eight. Like, is that not the craziest thing, man? He's 6'8". He's throwing downhill. That's nasty. That like, is. Like, that is really nasty. And so, he and Shane Green will really do a good job. And then Mark Melanson's a guy who's had prior closing experience before with the San Francisco Giants. And I think he's going to slide in to be the Braves' setup guy. And that's another thing the Braves haven't really had this year. I mean, Swarzak's tried to do it. Sean Newcomb's tried to do it. And believe me, I know I was one of the advocates for Sean Newcomb being the closer. But that was before we figured out that the Braves' bullpen was as weak as it was. And judging by recent games, what we've seen, the Braves really did a good job uh, with the acquisition of these guys. And, and so I think all three of these guys are really going to boost the Braves' bullpen. And I think it's going to give the team some morale and be like, okay, we, we fixed the glaring weakness. We've got a closer. Then the Braves have... The Braves have weapons in that bullpen that can compete with anybody in the National League and beyond. If if you had told me before the day that the Braves weren't going to make any moves with Stan Pat, I would have been really upset, and we probably would have exited early from the playoffs. You know, if we had make it kind of like last year. But now I feel like with these additions to the Braves bullpen, I feel like they can compete with anybody, and I feel like we can even take down the Dodgers. Hmm. I really believe it, and most of it has to do with these. Most of it has to do with these three guys at the back end because now the bullpen is now straight. And and the other thing to think about it with the Braves is what they had to give up. In terms of prospects, what the Braves had to give up. So what the Braves had to give up in terms of prospects were just three of their top 30 prospects, including left-handed pitcher Joey Wentz, who was number seven on the Braves board, number 10 Colby Howard, and number 17 Tristan, Tristan Beck, who were all three pitchers, and then the Braves gave up an outfielder named Travis Demerit, who's got pretty good power, but we'll see what happens with him. Demerit and Wentz are going to the Detroit Tigers, and Tristan Beck is going to the San Francisco Giants as a part of the as a part of the trades for Shane Green 
and Mark Melanson. And Chris Martin, in his trade, Colby Howard is going to Texas as a part of the Chris Martin trade. So that kind of explains the trades. What I like about it is the Braves didn't have to give up any of the top three untouchables that I talked about earlier in the show. And and it looks like to me, Alex Anthopoulos has accomplished something that he wanted. It's he got answers and he got stuff to rebuild his bullpen and make it a strength, but he didn't have to give up he didn't have to give up many of the big time talented guys in his farm system. So Ozzy Albies joined a prestigious list over the weekend, becoming the fifth player in the MLB history to hit four grand slams at the age of twenty two. What does this say about Albies as a hitter? Well, what I think it says about Albies as a hitter is that despite his size, he's got really good power. And he can switch it from both sides of the plate. And to and to name those other four hitters that have done this at age twenty two. And those hitters are Ted Williams, Eddie Matthews, King Griffey Jr., Giancarlo Stanton, and now Ozzy Albies. That's pretty elite company if you ask me. And th- and three out of those five guys are Hall of Famer. I mean, so what that tells me is Ozzy... Not Aussie... to mention another fellow Braves. Exactly, exactly. So what that tells me is Ozzy Albies is clutch. He's not afraid of the big moment. And like I said, I mean, despite being like his size, because he's like 5'7", five, 5'8", five, five, he's in that ballpark. And, but he's got really good power on both sides. He's really strong in his legs. And he's got really good lift coming off the ball from either side of the plate. But his right side is obviously his strongest side. But he hit the grand slam on his right side, so it makes sense. But being mentioned with those names in baseball is really something else. And it's a testament to how hard Ozzy Albies has worked. And also, you got to be fortunate to to come up in the right time to have the ducks on the pond to have the bases loaded definitely because I mean it's not just all you it's it's your team as well I think that's really impressive that Ozzy is on this list and then he's matched with three Hall of Famers that's pretty ridiculous and um, you pointed out it's not just Ozzy it's his teammates getting him involved too and I look for Ozzy Albies to to supply more grand slams to the Braves in the future and another interesting thing in in terms of like stats and like numbers and stuff Ronald Acuna Jr. Uh, has become the most recent Brave to have 25 home runs as well as 25 stolen bases the most recent Braves to do that were Chipper and Andrew they they did that back in the Braves run in the early 90s and the 2000s and it just goes to show that not only is Ozzy Albies on track for stardom but also uh, Mr. Ronald Mr. Ronald Acuna Jr. most definitely so Joe yeah my last question Hit me. When's the next time you're going to a Braves game? That would be Saturday against the Cincinnati Reds. Mm, that's uh, that's for Hank Aaron weekend. You would be correct. Oh, yeah, they'll be wearing the uh, 1974 throwback jerseys. And... Those are phenomenal. The old school script A, and you got the feather on the sleeve. It's mm-hmm. a great look, and and kind of and uh, the royal blue. It's a it's a good look, and the. And the uh, the red Braves lettering on the front of the jersey, it's a great look. It's a really good look. I, I just it. thought of another question, but I'll, I'll ask it another day. I, I I don't think we'll have time to get into this question okay. this time. Okay. Next time. What are you most looking forward to about the Hank Aaron weekend? I think the thing that's going to be cool, I'm just really interested to see the kind of atmosphere that's in the ballpark for Hank Aaron weekend. And I know Mr. Aaron is, is one of those guys and everybody around the southeast and in Braves country and even the baseball world love. I mean, I mean, this is the guy 
who is the true home run king. I know Barry Bonds broke his record and stuff, but Barry Bonds did steroids. Come on, we all know. <laughs> but but this is the true home run king. I mean, ho- hopefully Hank Aaron is there at some point this weekend. I'm hoping he's there Saturday when we're there because that would be really cool to like see him like around the stadium and stuff. I mean, I mean, this is one of those guys who who came from like really humble beginnings in Mobile, Alabama, and to come as far as he did in Major League Baseball, breaking Babe Ruth's record, and it's just a feat that, and it's just unbelievable. And to be in the presence, or to be in the presence of a living legend like that is really, really cool. And not to mention, the Braves are wearing their sweet 1974 throwback jerseys. I love them, but but there should definitely be. Um, um, a vibe and an energy in the ballpark that should be really cool. It, it's always really cool to, to be a part of that and to see and to see the guys honoring Hank Aaron, you know, the way that they have uh, wearing the throwback jerseys and stuff like that. And it just goes to show what, what, type, what type of person Hank Aaron is and uh, having to overcome all that he did. And so the whole weekend should just be a blast. It should be really cool. And not to mention, uh, the the Reds are a pretty good team. And speaking of the Reds, did you see that crazy fight that happened last night with them and the Pirates? I saw a picture, one just a one-frame picture with... Oh, uh, Guerra? Junior Guerra? Junior Guerra, yep. And that was the craziest thing. I watched the highlights of it this morning on MLB Network. I was like, what in the world? Yeah, and I saw the picture of you know him wielding his his fist back. Yeah, and then you have one, two, three, four, five, six, six pirates Try, trying around to take on him. six pirates. That's nuts. And you know, there's like two of them reaching toward his face, about to like one of them's touching his face. The other guy's yeah. like two inches from touching his face. You have two guys down under in the front of him, about to tackle him. Yeah. And then you have one guy from the back looks like he's about to give him a hug or something. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what he's doing. It's and nuts. You can barely see the guy in the back. You know, maybe he's pushing him or something. Man, you, you, you're you here and you're surrounded by six players. And you take them on. About to get attacked. And you, and you, and you want to take them on yourself. Man. Guts to you, Junior Gary. You got some guts. If you saw the end. But what he did in the end, after he walked off the field, he gave him a hard flex. He showed him the gun show and then walked to the locker room. It was funny i was laughing when i saw but yeah rg3 i saw that on mlb network and i was just like dang junior Guerra." he i mean he was trying to like p90x on those guys. yeah like but what prompted you like some some chirping out of the bullpen that's like well, that's enough to throw you off edge and well, well what i'll say is is how it got started a lot of people were throwing at each other and that's generally what what it okay. gets it going. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. He's, when we were pretty fired up when Acuna was hit. So. Yeah. Kind I of mean, was... without watching the whole game, you don't know the energy yeah. leading up to that right. event. And and I know both those teams don't like each other at all. Yeah. So, and which makes me think the Braves had a crazy fight like that back in 1984 against the Padres. It was nuts. And like three fans even got injected too. Oh, wow. Yeah, that was crazy. So, yeah, let's see the Braves will be playing this weekend. The Braves and the Cincinnati Reds as the Braves rock their 1974 throwback unis as a part of Hank Aaron weekend. So that's going to wrap it up for our baseball talk, RG3. We've got some Falcon football to get to, don't we? Yes, yes. So the Falcons play in the Hall of Fame game on Thursday at the Pro Football Hall of Fame, which is in Canton. What are you most looking forward to about Thursday's game? The thing I'm most looking forward to, RG3, is getting to see what kind of backups the Falcons have because... 
fans, if you think Julio and Matt Ryan are going to play in this game, I mean, Matt Ryan might play a little bit, but I know Julio is and I doubt Calvin will. So it'll be cool to see what kind of depth they have. I'm thinking like Kirk Benkert, the number three quarterback. It'll be cool to see kind of his development from practice squad to maybe push and match job for the backup quarterback job. So that'll be cool to see. Just some of, just some of these young guys like Foley Olakun at linebacker. Like him, for example, like his development in year one, year two. Dustin Sheffield, the rookie out of Ohio State at cornerback, will be cool to see. You know, a lot of young guys. And speaking of young guys, another young guy I'll be looking at is Chris Lidstrom from Boston College. If he gets to play a little bit or at all, it'll be cool to see him. And RG3, speaking of the offensive line, Caleb McGarry, the Falcons' other first-round pick from Washington University, had... I had a really crazy procedure, and I want you to tell me what you think about this when you hear this. Caleb McGarity underwent a cardiac ablation procedure and will be out six to eight. Apparently, he's had this in the past. Yeah, I, I read up on that and uh, saw that he had this in the past, and his recovery was his recovery was well, and you know, it took about six to eight weeks each time. And I mean, it's which makes it seem expected, but you know, with the straight into the NFL, your first year, you know, you sort of hate it, you know, going into surgery right before the season starts. Right, right. And, you know, and actually, AJ Green just had an injury. Yeah. He's going to have to have surgery before the season starts. Yeah. You yeah. know, the NFL, you know, you're prone to injuries, but gosh, like before the even the season even starts, you're... We're having all these issues pop up. and Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, guys can train as much as they want on their own. But, but, you know, the first time they get back and they put on, like, shells, which is, like, pads and shorts and stuff. Or even just, like, freaky non-contact things. I mean, these guys are so big and so strong that, like, one little tweak, you know, on a muscle or something. And the whole thing is just loco. So, I'm, so I feel for, uh, for Caleb McGarry. And hopefully he'll be back soon. Um, best of luck in his recovery. All right, so DeMonte Casey was arguably the best part of the Falcons' secondary. How do you expect the Falcons to use Casey with a healthy Keanu Neal and Ricardo Allen at safety for the Falcons? Well, this is what I would do. Now, let's jump inside the mind of Jamin Joe here. Then this is what I would do. So, so the thing we know about Casey, he led the Falcons last year in interceptions with seven. And, and, and so what I would do is see he's like 5'11". So I would put him aside true font. Like I would have true font at one corner and have KZ at the other and have like, or two like bigger, more physical corners. Cause I think true font's like 5'11", 6'1". And, and so that way you could have two cornerbacks that could really, really shut down. And cause KZ was a cornerback at San Diego State. That, that's ex- that's honestly how I would use him. And then that way you can have Keanu Neal do his thing in, in the middle of the field and getting tackles and stuff and making big hits. And then you got Ricardo Allen who, who, uh, who's got really good ball skills like KZ does. And, and, I, and I just think it would make the Falcons even deeper and a lot more explosive in the back end. So, so that's what I would do if I was the Falcons. But I think what Dan Quinn will do, I think he'll use him as a nickelback, which, mean, which means they have to go to an extra corner, an extra safety. KZ will be that. That's how they'll use him. He'll he'll be a backup. But but I think KZ proved last year that he can that he can start and he can play. And I would get him on the field if it were me. But yeah, I think that's how they'll use him. I think he'll be a nickelback. Hmm. All right. And uh, the Falcons 
will have their annual military appreciation open practice on Sunday. What are some things fans can expect to see in this open practice? I think the thing fans can see uh, as a part of this open practice, it's kind of like I was mentioning with the Hall of Fame game. You'll, you'll, you'll get to see bits and pieces of the new offense put together with Dirk Cutter. You'll get to see you'll get to see quality depth at running back. Not only Devontae Freeman, but you also get to see what you'll get to see is you'll get to see Edo Smith at running back along with Quadre Olison out of Pittsburgh, who I'm really excited about. I know he didn't get a lot of fanfare coming out of Pittsburgh. Very excited about Quadre Olson at running back. I think he's gonna be like that bruiser, that bruising back that, that can really do damage. And then you got Edo Smith being able to make plays. So so those are just some of the guys I'm looking at on offense and then defense. It'll be cool to see Adrian Claiborne back, Jack Crawford, Alan Bailey, and you know, some of those big guys up front. And then seeing everybody in the back end like we talked about being healthy, like with Keanu and uh, Ricardo Allen. One last position group, and that's the linebacking core. It'll be cool for fans to get to see number 45 back on the back on the field at Mercedes-Benz Stadium, Deion Jones. So, so those are just some things that fans should be excited about in terms of the open practice on Sunday. And it also means we're one step closer to Falcons football. <laughs> it sure does. It's pretty sweet. So, RG3, do you have any big weekend plans? Well, turns out I may be at that the Saturday Braves game as well. That's right, that's right. So so what that means, RG3 and I will have plenty of pictures, plenty of videos, some exciting stuff cooked up uh, from the Braves-Reds game on Saturday. And we'll talk to you guys all about it next week as well as there's something big in the works. We can't tell you guys about it yet, but there's something big in the works in terms of our podcast. So be sure to tune in next week and we can reveal that to you potentially. So for RG3, I'm Jamin Joe. This has been another exciting installment of the Fan Ball Seasons podcast, and we'll talk to you guys next week. See ya.